Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing active mutual funds and why they continue to underperform their benchmarks and what are some of the reasons behind it. Mike, I was looking at some, a recent study called the Mutual Fund Landscape. And they were looking at about 4,300 mutual funds with performance data to the end of 2020. They looked at 1,800 US equity funds, over 1,000 international funds, 1,400 fixed income funds, in total $11 trillion. And they were looking at, you know, had these managers delivered the results of at least matching the index or outperforming? And so there's a number of factors in this equation. And the first one is survivorship. So Mike, what, you know, the data suggests that a lot of mutual funds don't survive. Why is it they don't survive and, and then what's the data? So there's a few reasons for mutual funds not surviving. One is sometimes there's consolidation. So if a mutual fund company doesn't have enough of a pickup of a mutual fund and they're not making enough money or have enough assets to keep that fund open, they'll just close it or blend it into another fund. Another one that's a little bit more deceptive is if a fund continues to do poorly, a lot of times they will get rid of that fund to lose the performance because they're stuck with, if you've had a bad five-year performance number, no matter what happens in the future, it's very good to end up with a very, with a strong long-term performance number. And when people go look at your fund, no one's going to really invest with, in it. So what the mutual fund companies would do is they'll close down that fund and then move the assets of that fund over to another fund. So when you get into the data, you think this happens rarely, but it's not as rare as you may think. So we look at the 10-year numbers. So if you started today, or let's say let's start 10 years ago, so we go back to 2011, and you took a look at all the mutual funds that were available in 2011. As of now, only 63% of those funds are still in existence today. So, so think of that. That's 37% of the funds disappear. And when you begin to take those numbers out to a longer period of time, if you go to 15 years, it's only 51% of the funds still exist. Once you go out to 20 years, it's only 41% of the funds. So it, and we've seen this over our career. These funds that we used to think are these big famous funds, you go look for them every now and again because you haven't used them in a long time and they just don't exist anymore. So if we looked at it, you know, we're supposed to invest in mutual funds for a long periods of time, you know, minimum five years, but more likely 10, 15, 20 years. And yet the funds we selected, especially, you know, even over 15 years, only half of them survived. So half of them closed down. And now you're, you either had to, you know, they merged them into another fund, which isn't the fund you bought, or they closed the thing down completely. Yeah. And it depends on, you know, the problem is the reasons that you're buying it. Sometimes you buy for a manager and all of a sudden that's no longer your manager. You follow, there were great managers back in the nineties. We used to follow managers and you'd follow them to fund to fund, but then sometimes the funds just disappear. So if we look at the data on fixed income, it's really not, not much better. 
over 10 years, only 72% of the fixed funds survive. We go to 15 years, 56%. And if we go to 20 years, 45% survive. So 55% of those funds, those fixed income funds have closed down. So obviously survivorship is, is pretty tough. I, you know, I, I liken it to a shell game where, you know, if you've got good performance, you keep going. And if you don't have good performance or you've got mediocre performance, you shut it down. You know, it's pretty funny. I had, I think it was about uh, 12 or 13 years ago. Do you remember when we did, uh, it was one of the insurance companies did a leverage type of deal? Yes. I think it was May. So I just, I did something small in that. I think at the time, I just put $20,000 into this leverage account. And I think you had seven mutual funds. There's two left at the originals. The rest, because, because it's something you can't move and it sits with one thing, it's been with that one fund company and it's done okay over time. It's over doubled itself in value, but there's only two of the original funds out of the seven left in it. And I've never touched it. So you might've bought a Canadian equity value fund and you end up with a Canadian small cap fund five years later or 10 years later. And the reality, because that was an insurance industry, it's funny because I talked about earlier reasons for consolidation on the insurance industry. What happened is because they had guarantees attached to them, they didn't want to take the same equity risk in the future. So they kept on making the funds in the portfolio more conservative to maintain the guarantees. So there's all different reasons for that too. So let's talk about, so that's survivorship. What about winners? What, you know, the, the data on winners, what is it? How, how many of those mutual funds outperform their benchmarks? So let's say it's a Canadian equity fund and the benchmark is the TSX index of Canadian stocks. How many would beat the market over different time periods? Well, from the survey, it's, it's pretty low. Over 10 years, only 23% of those winners and survivors end up beating the marketplace. When you go out to 15 years, it drops down to 21%. And then once you go to 20 years, it drops 19%. So that's, that's one in five. So you have a one in five chance of, of coming up ahead. So 80% of the time, you, if you pick 10 mutual funds, only two of the 10 would be winners. Yeah, you know how they say four out of five dentists? <laughs> Four out of five mutual fund uh, investors will underperform the market over a 20-year period. Okay. And I, use, I follow my dentist recommendations, so I stick with the four out of five dentist, right? I get it. So if I look at the fixed income, it's really no better on the winners. Over 10 years, only 31% beat the market, so one out of three. By the time you get to 20 years, it's even worse, only 11% beat the market, 89% underperform the market. So you're far better off to buy the market in fixed income. So Rob, what if you buy the, what if you pick out the best funds, what happens? Well, that's interesting. You know, if, if you look at that, you would think it would be pretty obvious. Well, Rob, you know, forget all these numbers. Let's just pick the really good managers that have always outperformed. So in theory, a really good manager would finish in the top quartile. You know, they were in the top 25% of all performance in their category, whether it's US equity, international equity, emerging, whatever it is. 
how many would continue to outperform if they had the best performance in the last five years? How many would outperform in the next five years? Uh-oh, the numbers are not very good. Only 21% would outperform. Now, you still may get excited. Maybe you could pick that 21%. But what it really means is 80% didn't remain in the top quartile. In fact, they're just as likely to be in the bottom quartile for the next five years. You know, it, it's funny when you get into these numbers, when you start to find, it's almost like trying to beat Vegas, right? And you might hit that 21% one time. Like you might go to the roulette. And I once went to the roulette table, put my money on black 23 or whatever it was, and it came up and I won. I've been there a thousand other times and didn't win. So if you keep on working on any system that's uh, the odds are against your favor, you'll eventually lose. I think, it, you know, if I, I'll use the Toronto Maple Leafs as an example. The Leafs love getting players, experienced players, who've had great performance in the last five years. You know, they're top quartile performers. And we, you know, we had a whole lineup of them this year. Or at least uh, we, we brought in a whole bunch of new guys that looked like they were top performers. And what we discover is once they become a leaf, they're no longer top performers. It's, it's no different in the mutual fund world. So, so that will move us on to cost. <laughs> Very appropriate uh, move. Well, kind of like more the for those players help. <laughs> they overpay for those players. So let's, let's look at the data on cost. If you're overpay for management, what happens? Well, my guess is, I, well, there's two ways of looking at it. My initial thought was, well, you got to pay to get really good managers, right? If you pay a little more, you'll probably get a better manager. What does the data show? Well, if you separate mutual funds into low cost and high cost, you'll find it's not great for either one of them because there's still a relative high cost compared to just buying the marketplace. But low cost mutual funds, 32% outperform the market. But if you go and you're willing to spend that extra buck and try to get the best manager out there and pay that extra money, believe it or not, it actually drops. Only 14% of those funds outperform the marketplace. So if you find uh, 20 years out, high cost mutual funds, only 7% outperform the marketplace. So paying those big bucks doesn't seem to pay off too well. When we started in this business, we didn't think cost was that important. And what we've learned over, you know, I'm 30 years, you're close to probably 25. Cost is important. And the data really holds this out. So if you imagine a young advisor comes into the industry today, he may not think cost matters, kind of like we did when we came into the industry. And so they may pick a top performing expensive equity mutual fund only to be disappointed for the next 10, 15, and 20 years. That's even if the fund survived. Cost is like an inflationary effect. And you don't see it from year to year as much. But when you start to look at costs over a longer period of time, because it comes off both the high parts of the market and the low parts of the market, it really affects your average performance over time. Is it any better in the fixed income side? Is cost any more successful, you know, does it matter as much on fixed income? Not much of a difference, to be honest. You know, low cost, 32%, almost identical. Uh, high cost, they had a 
bit better than on the equity side, but still only 25% outperformed. It's interesting with all this data, it's amazing how much money still flows in to these active mutual funds on a regular basis. Well, they, they advertise, right? So if you look at where that cost goes to, a lot of it is going to advertise and to get people to invest into their products. And when do they advertise? When things are high. <laughs> when they've got good performance. And they'll often have good performance. They're active managers. Sometimes those numbers look really good. And they'll promote the ones with the best performance, which brings in the assets. And then the whole thing falls apart. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.